0: Hey everybody. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So uh, before we get into this one, I wanted to thank last week's guest, attorney Padita Jafari, um, who is a practicing attorney out of California in Orange County. Um, Padita was absolutely awesome. And, you know, I got a lot of good um, responses from a lot of people that were actually very close to me uh, saying like, wow, like this is what we all need as victims of narcissistic abuse are trauma-informed attorneys who understand narcissism so Padita, thank you so much for doing that episode also i wanted to mention in that episode i said that uh my friends from episode 11 who have been there got out chris and lisa they recently uh put out a book and Padita was nice enough to send that to me so thank you so much for that And uh, I'm really excited to dive into this book. And I made an uh, Instagram post about it. So I'm really psyched. So thank you so much for last week's episode. Um, I also mentioned on last week's episode that I did have a trial date this week. Um, And wouldn't you know it, really nothing happened again. Because um, we got to court. And uh, there was another case that was you know, booked at the same time as mine and was the age of the case was actually one week longer than mine. I'm going on nine months of a temporary restraining order. I'm going on nine months of a temporary restraining order. And uh, yeah, nothing really, really happened. They heard that case before mine. Um, so some of, I guess the highlights of the day is, um, so Brittany pulled me outside and said that Well, the judge is kind of fed up, right? He wants to do this case for a whole day, um, but the court system's just so backed up that he doesn't have a whole day to hear it. So he brought uh, my Nexus attorney and Brittany Parisi, my lawyer from Parisi Law Firm in New Jersey, into his chambers and spoke with them. And when Brittany came out, she said to me that, you know, the judge said, you know, perhaps we can come to a settlement. And I was like, I don't want to come to a settlement. I really don't. And basically um, what my Nexus lawyer is proposing is for me to agree to what's called a best interest evaluation. And a best interest re- evaluation is lengthy. It's like a year long. And um, it's just basically about what's in the best interest of the kids. And Brittany's like, you know, you're gonna have to do that anyway. And I was like, who's paying for it? Cause it's like $15,000. And she's like, well, they said that uh, they know of a best interest evaluator that is like $3,500. I'm like, so we're going to let them choose the best interest evaluator? For what? What have I been convicted of? I'm not guilty of anything. So, you know, Brittany and I kind of butt heads a little bit about that because I'm like, I don't want to do this. And then also they want me to get a psychiatric evaluation again, which I already did that, you know, almost a year ago um, because she still wants to claim that I'm crazy. And I haven't put a, been able to put on my case yet. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, if we try this trial, it is a surefire win. And I basically told Brittany, I'm like, listen, if she wants to settle this, she doesn't need me to settle it. She can drop the restraining order on her own. She doesn't have to consult me about doing it. But I'm not agreeing to anything unless I get something out of it. I mean, I'm fully willing to to try the trial. If I have to get a best interest evaluation, that's got to happen anyway. So who gives a shit? You know, so uh, I'd rather try the trial. Um, even though it seems like it's going to go on forever, but, uh, yeah, um, it is what it is. Not much happened, unfortunately, but, um, I planned on doing a recap episode of what happened, but nothing happened, you know, uh, that was kind of the highlight of it. So, um, yeah, I was, I was disappointed and, uh, frustrated and the whole thing. So, um, instead my decision is to put on another guest and it's interesting because, Over a year ago, this guest and I have communicated and unfortunately where we weren't able to make an episode happen, you know, either I was busy or he had, you know, issues going on with him. Um, And I remember, I can't remember who the listener was, but somebody reached out to me and said, you really got to get in touch with John. Uh, So I'm bringing John on this episode because, um, again, he's just, you know, part of the narcissistic community and he recently has revealed himself and broken his anonymity. And, um, you know, he and I have communicated on Instagram and I just know he's a super cool guy. Uh, So I really think you guys are going to like this episode and um, check it out. All right, everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So I have a guest with me today who I have been trying to do an episode with this guy for a really long time because as a lot of my guests, I've been following this guy since day one. And he and I connected Maybe over a year ago when, you know, just our paths, we had a hard time crossing and stuff, but I recently saw him do another interview and I was just blown away by some of his content. So I'm here with John McKenny. He is the person behind his username on screen name is Male Victims of Female Narcissists. John, say hi. How are you all doing today? What's up, my dude? I'm so glad that we finally have a chance yeah, to do Yeah,
1: me too. Thanks, Mac. I really appreciate you reaching back out and uh, really excited to be here and uh, my apologies for not making it work a year ago a little death in the family will put a wrench oh, in I'm,
0: I'm sorry to hear that man but yeah. it's all good
1: i'm glad to thank you now it's all my bad I, no. I, oh man it. no
0: everybody has their lives and i remember a year ago i can't remember the name of the screen name but there was some guy who was saying john helped me so much and you really should connect with john and you know having just i'd listened to another interview that you did just recently with been there God out who are good friends of mine and i was just blown away by your story and your ability to tell it so um, i wanted to have you come on this podcast i mean you know your your username is male victims of female narcissists but you are not dedicated to just the male angle you support everybody so i want to know a little bit about how you got into this role how you got out this influencer role and where it all started for you
1: yeah so uh so like a lot of the people who have kind of sought me out they uh i found out the hard way like everybody else did i, I got i got the education for from being in the relationship for so very many years, mm-hmm. um, I was married to a, uh, a covert narcissist for 27 years. Mm. Um, so it was a. Uh, it took me forever to figure out what was going on. And and dear God, if it weren't for the internet and a random pace on, uh, post on Facebook, I would still be completely in the dark. And I mean, what did it, that post say? Do you remember? It was actually a. Uh, it was a post of an article by Shahiba Arabi. If I'm pronouncing her name. Yeah, I love that. I love her. Yeah, her on uh, Facebook or I'm sorry on Instagram and uh, and it was Shahida that was her name Shahida mm-hmm. probably I know who you talking about and it was 20 uh, 20 signs of uh, that you that you may be involved with a narcissist uh, psychopath or a sociopath and i read through it and um and mind you I, i'd given my situation a ton of thought and uh, and and had just decades of journals of working with her and conversations in her cycle of denial, and I saw this, and I went, "Oh my God!" There's a name for it. Bro, <laughs> you sound like me on the podcast this early like, days. With, what name for all this shit? Is there? I mean, and she was like, "Like I get story, story, you know, going number one, story two, story three, story." She was like 17 or 18 of the 20. Yeah. And and I I found out accidentally one day, and you know, in that moment, it's like your life just radically changes. You totally. know. Like, now, now it for me, it was like, well, now I I at least have something specific to go work on with her. Yeah. And even tried to involve her in the process. And of course, that doesn't really work anyways. I remember it feeling like like a horror movie or like The Shining or something
0: and like reading about gaslighting and triangulation and reactive abuse and all that kind of stuff. And I remember feeling like the walls were just closing in on me. And it was like, holy fuck. Like, I always knew she was a gaslighter, but I'm like, no, like at the time it was 2021. And I'm like- Oh my God! Like people have lived through stuff before, and you're—I un- always thought narcissist was
1: extreme vanity, right? Like that's always what we didn't do. hear. It. Same. Nice. Now, we we throw that term around far too much. But there's, in fact, there's good moment of clarity for for your listeners here. There's a difference between somebody that we might call narcissists and and somebody who has the personality disorder. There's a, there really is a personality disorder at at the heart of most of these people who act out like this. Totally, totally. I'm I'm absolutely with you.
0: So you were married to your narcissist for 27 years.
1: Yes. Discovered what? about year 25 uh, what was going on. So in those early days, was
0: there, obviously, I mean, to stay with her for 27 years, there must have been some red flags or love bombing
1: and stuff that you pushed yourself through. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the I, I had the discard at three months in. Oh, my God. Yeah. This really, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and kept pressing her. I'm like, where are you emotionally? And and she just would never answer. She she wouldn't respond. And 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 ultimately, what I got for the first seven years of of my marriage where it's all your fault. And <laughs> if, if you do this and you do this, then I'll be emotionally engaged. And, it, and that equation just never worked. Mm-hmm. After about seven years in, I'm just like, "F it! I, I'm that I'm done done playing that game. I'm not doing that anymore. It's not love, anyways. Love is is different from an equation. Maybe mm-hmm. conditional something, but it's it's not even conditional love. I'm out with that." So I'm just going to reject that from here on out. Marriage continued to get really heated. I'd figured out this cycle of denial in her, you know, from, from doing something ridiculous to complete denial, to having to battle her to get her to see or look at it, to finally giving some ownership to it, which, which I realized later was never really ownership anyways. It was just her ending the conversation. And then her going- Stonewalling, stonewalling. Yeah. And then her right, going right back to the denial again and having to go around this cycle over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and the relationship got more and more heated. If you have, in my experience, if you have a conversation with a narcissist about their, and I mean, just calm, quiet. Hey, why did you kind of do this? With Minus the reactive abuse, which we we all often have with narcissists, right? Right. She, well, you You know, you're too angry with me. Well, if you, if you approach her quietly, you get ignored. Right. You know? So right. my, I used to say, you know, it takes an explosion to get your attention. And to Thank get, you. Right? Holy shit, dude. You're in my head right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it was to... we lived for decades. You know, we had we had kids along the way. I've got four kids as well. Eeny, meeny, miny, and ain't no mo. <laughs> 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 so it was... Um, it, and and a lot of life was focused on them, but relationship was just nowhere. We were constantly having these micro battles and some big, some small all the time. You know yeah. what's funny? I've heard from a lot of people, they call it death by a thousand paper cuts. Oh my God, yes. That's really true. It's mm-hmm. really true. And it, it wears you down. You know, the, the, the analogy like the, the, the frog in the kettle. You know, <laughs> Yeah kind of gradually turning up the heat and you're gradually dying. You don't even realize it. I was that guy. Totally, totally. Let me ask you this. So
0: in my personal experience, right, I had a relatively difficult childhood and I had a lot of experience with loss. I had a lot of people die in my life when I was younger and my family dynamic wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be when I was younger. So you don't hear this a lot from men, but I truly wanted kids. I wanted to be married. I wanted the white picket fence idea. And that notion kept me dealing with my bullshit. What was the reason that kept you in the situation? Because everybody has their reasons.
1: Well, interestingly enough, I grew up in what we call a very classic Christian home. I had a seemingly, seemingly normal childhood. I, I, I quite honestly view it with very different eyes now, as I, I think that my parents have some pretty narcissistic tendencies, and we'll probably get to talk about some of that later. And I wouldn't call them narcissists, but there are elements of relationship with them and denial and pretending and not wanting to go deal with stuff that kind of set me in this. Plus that whole religious thing where we don't believe in divorce. And, and set, let's set that aside for a second, you know, right? the faith stuff. Who wants to get married and and plan for the thing to end in divorce?
0: No, it's by, by no coincidence is it till death do you part. You that, know what I mean? Like people take that for granted. Like it's just some like, I don't know, idealistic thing to say, but like to me, no, it's till death do
1: you part, and I was willing to force my way through it. Same here, same here, and and to be complete, so I've I've had this question asked me like, why why would you not divorce sooner? And and part of that reason, oh, victim blaming that, honest to God's truth. Well, obviously the kids, I, I I was committed to staying until they were out, and I did. I managed that, took that bullet, but the other part of it was it took me twenty five years. To get to the place where I could go divorce, where I felt like I could go do that, and well, because I, you like I, I felt like you exhausted all your options. I, I had one thing. I you know I, I go to sleep. I really do sleep well. I have to tell you over this. I I, I, I don't I don't have regrets in how I handled it so much, even though there was a, an awful lot of yelling on my end from the reaction. And, and I'm not saying that I was right. But I'm saying it was. I made every effort to have the conversations. Some some people approach narcissists where they don't go toe to toe. Where they just kind of sit back and maybe are more passive. Um, and that was just not me. I went after these things and I thought, okay, there's only one way, there's only one path to help healthy relationship, and it's honesty and 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 not denial and not pretending. And I wanted the healthy relationship, but man, I turned over every single stone I could possibly turn over with her. Yeah. And I go to sleep at night knowing I made every effort. I trade adjust my behavior enough to to deal with it i i went to therapists i took her to therapists i sent her to therapists i i took her to pastors i i did i mean there wasn't anything i that was in front of me that i i didn't go chase so let's talk about that for a little bit because my experience with therapists is
0: the cloud when people say the word triangulation to me therapist was the classic triangulation thing because she would come to me and say, we need therapy. We need to work on us. We need therapy. And we'd get in the therapist thing. And I've also heard the term dog whistling, right? Like they say some underlying thing that like only you get. And you're like, no, that didn't fucking happen. And you're in therapy for the right reasons. To you, you, You and I are in therapy for the right reasons, but they're there to get the therapist on their side to convince the therapist that you are crazy. Correct.
1: So- so my, my path in the therapy was probably a little bit different than, than most. I realized she had problems, and I felt like she needed to go work them out without me. Yeah. So, so I sent her. She didn't, she didn't want to go. So I sent her to go. No, because you weren't involved. So why would she go? She, therapists aren't going to work on themselves. I used to
0: say about my nurses all the time. I'd be like, "You are incapable of self improvement."
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize that. I wasn't smart enough to get that though at first. I thought she was initially. So, so I sent her. I also thought she had issues with men from her history, and I, you know, I thought okay, she needs to go. She needs to go get that sorted without me in her head or me in her ear. So I gave her the freedom to go do it and take care of it and. And she went, and she wasn't improving. And after the first two therapists, I would go, she'd go, well, I'm getting better. And I'm like, well, how are you getting better? Because you you keep doing this. You keep lying. You keep pretending. You keep hurting. You keep denying. And she'd go, well, I'm going to the therapist, so I must be getting better. Right. It it, it doesn't make you better any more than walking into McDonald's makes you hamburger. It's not. <laughs> it's it's not. You go just to act. And, and this is their naive thinking, right? I'm going so I'm better, right? So it's very superficial. It's it it's is. look, I I put
0: my foot in in the water, so now I know how to swim. You know what I mean? Like it's That's very superficial. It's very like, and then they turn it around on you and go, why aren't you giving me the credit? Why aren't you giving me the credit for? Because you didn't do anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and interestingly enough, I got to the place, I and mean, we had a ton of money going out the window too, where she'd gone to this one therapist that had that she had some rapport with. And we'd had this this knockdown, drag out fight on one of our date nights, which I litigiously did with her every Thursday night because I wanted intimacy and not just kids in my ears. I I, I felt like we needed that. And she'd acted out in something ridiculous. So after about four hours of fighting that night, I said, We're gonna go to your therapist. I know it's Saturday. I want you I want you to call her and tell her this is an emergency session session. We need we need to come in together. And we had this conversation with her. And I told the therapist what was going on. And and I asked her. I said, "Is this normal, typical marital stuff?" And what she, would the therapist say? No, <laughs> no, not 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 at all. And um, she said, "I, I And then she started talking to me like my ex wife now was not in the room. And she said, "I think that she has reactive attachment disorder. And here are the signs of this, 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 and this. And and I have somebody for you to go see. So we went into the city and and found this uh this reactive attachment disorder person." And I'll never forget her response. After kind of evaluating us, um, she said, "I don't, I don't think she has reactive attachment disorder." But what she she said, "I do think she said I've seen the personality type before." And mind you, this is early 2000s. Internet isn't everywhere. You can't find out about narcissism on every mm-hmm. at every left corner, you know. And she says, "The kind of person you married is somebody who just goes their own way, and where life intersects them, and they should bend. They don't. They're just going their own way." And she ah. said, they are horrific, horrific marriage partners. And I don't know how you're going to go do this. She said, you're already angry. And I'm concerned for you that you're too far gone. And I, I and this was 2008, you know, 2007. Ah. And said, Did she say that you had any part to play in things? What was your part to play? She said, I, I was just angry. That was the only thing she said. Yeah. In fact, every therapist we ever went to said, well, you're angry. And I'm like, duh. Like, I started with that. I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> You
0: know, yeah, so, but you're triggering me, man. Because my therapist, she would turn it around on me, and I would become the problem. Like you're so irrationally angry, and I'm like, what well, do I want to be so irrationally angry if I wasn't getting lied to and like abandoned every single day,
1: constantly? Yeah. yeah. So she she kicked us out. and I mean, she said basically, you know, I I, I don't have what you need, but she 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 basically described a narcissist without necessarily using the term. And I didn't realize it at the time. In fact, she said she said, I've seen the personality. The people are excruciating to live with. I don't have a name for it, but that's that's where you're at. And um and like you, my you know, I, I chased down a couple of others. Um there was a point in time where I and she spent years in therapy, man. I mean years and probably yep. thousands of dollars thousands of dollars no progress whatsoever and and she was dumb or smart enough i don't i don't know which <laughs> to occasionally give me a piece of the truth and I, I would say to her i go are you i know you're seeing this therapist but are you telling them the truth are you being honest with them because if you're not being honest with them this is a waste and she goes well not really i'm just kind of telling them what they want to hear so there's so they think there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> She admitted to that? She to that. Admitted to that. Ew, that's disgusting. I, occasionally I get I get nuggets like that. So from there on, I'm like, okay, we're go- we have to go see a therapist together because the truth has to be in the room. And I thought you wanna know what, John, as you're saying this, I all I hear
0: from this man is you saying, I wanted to work on this. I, I want this, it. I want this marriage to survive. I want it to be you and us. I want this to work.
1: Yep. I, 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 my best friend, is, uh was a licensed clinical therapist, and he'd tell you, um, I've never in my life seen somebody w- work so hard at trying to rescue a marriage. You know, outside perspective and years, ye- decades ye- with me, you know, um, so I, but like you, my next therapist, who, which was the marriage counsel, the mar- the marriage therapist who yes. specializes in narcissistic abuse, she mm-hmm. specializes in it because she's a narcissist herself, yeah, and gaslighted. From the first session, gaslighted me from the first session on. When I would tell her that I was acting out because and and, and angry because I, I was pathologically lied to, she would go, "I want you to go get in your car, out from, and I want you to just scream at the top of your lungs, like like that was a solution." And yeah. I I will never forget. This was the the last session. I'd said to her, "I think you have absolutely no compassion for me whatsoever." She goes, "Yep, none. That's whatever." And I'm like, wow you know it's funny i
0: so my my therapist and i've shared this story on the podcast my therapist was like you a very devout christian and uh so i remember her you know very coming from like the peace type thing and one of the things she told me is she said why don't you guys act more like chip and joanna Gaines? you know from like the home renovation shows and i looked at her and i go you know that show was scripted right like they write that show they write those characters i'm like They're not that perfect to be on the scene. She goes, but they're so funny. And like, you should be more like them. And I'm like, lady, you're fucking crazy. Like, what is that? Like, you've never, like you, right? You've never sat behind your stealing room, screamed your fucking head off in agony. Like, that's supposed
1: to heal you right on the spot. Yeah. And for, for heaven's sake, they could live in different houses for all we know. (laughs) But I should be more like them, right? Thank God. Maybe I am now. Yeah. So, (laughs) so I got to, I got to the place where, about 10 years or so in there was kind of a turning point for me um first one was where she she in a, in a rare moment of honesty um admitted that she was emotionally obsessed with an ex-boyfriend oh my god after how many years were you married 10 Holy uh, f- wait a minute 90 uh it's 15, 15 were they still in communication Uh, We'd actually moved to an area where he he had lived. So I don't know, quite honestly, whether they were in communication or not. She swears no, but um, after telling me so, and me saying, you know what, this is... And she said, I hadn't seen him, but I'm emotionally obsessed. And then I I am like, this is something we can work through, blip on the radar screen. Three days later, I asked her about it, providing a little accountability. How are you doing with this? We had a, a hard conversation. I appreciated the honesty. Um, how are you doing with the obsession with the ex-boyfriend T? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Wow, bro. You have my heart like palpitating right now because it's kind of like, listen, everybody remembers their first childhood puppy love from teenagerness. But when they, you're married for 15 uh, years, you like, haven't seen the guy. I mean, John, I'm sorry. That seems a little dicey to me. Was there any evidence of cheating or anything like that?
1: I didn't find anything, but I, I admittedly, I, I took her word for it and didn't look hard either because I was that kind of naive, trusting person.
0: Yeah, mine was home a lot, but like all, all my surrounding circle all tells me that they think that she was cheating, and I don't put it past her, but I know that she was home a lot. And it, I don't know, it's this weird Same. thing, but I never found any yeah. real true evidence of it either.
1: Yeah. She, I, she, she, The kids were all in school, so she could have done whatever. She wasn't working at the time. And she had she had a lot of time on her own. Um, that maybe two years after that event, oh, I should say this too. so i I, I challenged her on the, you know, I, I, we had this conversation two days ago. And now you're telling me it didn't happen. and and after another fight, I said, I'm gonna set this aside for a little bit, a little bit, but we will get back to this, yeah, hell yeah, man. three days later, same situation. Tell me how you're doing with this. And she, Growled at me like <laughs> in, the, in the spiritual world. I I swear to you, I felt like I'd I'd spoken to a demon. It sounded that kind of Friday the Thirteenth. I'm not kidding.
0: And from there, she. your died- animations are so funny. I wish everybody could see you right now. That was hilarious. <laughs>
1: she and and from there she never moved from that position. I never really I never really did it. We wound up in another marriage therapist and the therapist asked us first day, "Why are you why are you here?" and I said, "My ex had an emotional obsession with an ex-boyfriend 6 years ago. She's never apologized, never made it right. Um she's lied about it and she she keeps telling me it never happened when she admitted. And she looked over at her and she's like, "Yeah?" <laughs> she she did. So um she goes so,
0: what why did they do that why did they admit to the therapist but they won't admit to you no idea none whatsoever like, and i can see the fr- your 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 body language right now like you you come out with the frustration and i get that man because it's like we try to ex- I, I tell people all the time people reach out to me all the time and i try and explain to people don't try and make sense of the nonsensical. really
1: but, but you you go why but it, you can't make sense of it but well and you want it to work and you're yeah. desperate for it to work because yeah. it divorce is not on the radar. No. Well, so I said to the the therapist, she goes, "Well, how has this impacted you?" And I said, um, so so your your wife tells you they had an emotional obsession with an ex-boyfriend. They tell you 3 days later that it never happened and they've never moved from that position. What's taken place?" And the therapist says, "She's cheating on you." Yeah. I go. Well, you don't know want to. And
0: like, listen, I'm already angry in this situation, right? But I <laughs> I can't help it. My fuse gets short when people ask dumb questions that, like, involve, like, simple deductive reasoning. Like, what oh. makes you upset about the fact that your wife had an emotional relationship with her is still emotionally hung up on her ex-boyfriend
1: for 15 years ago? What makes you mad about that? It's like, I gotta fucking answer that to you? What, are you an idiot? for real. And I've been suffering for six years through this. Right. <clears throat> so the, the interesting thing, she says, well, and this is the first time she ever admitted the discard. She said, so... She said to her, so why are you here? She goes, well, I abandoned a relationship with him three months after we were married emotionally. And the therapist went, what? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I abandoned our relationship emotionally three months in. Well, why would you do that? He had a fight with his father, so I just decided I wasn't going to be involved anymore. 15 years later, what are you doing? You know what she's doing?
0: She's siphoning you. She's siphoning you siphoning your good energy and she thinks that when you're good it's reflection on her like she did something to make you the good
1: person it was it's honestly probably also excuse of the day and you could have the same conversation an identical conversation a second time and come up with a different answer so she might go you know what i left the relationship 15 years three months in and here's why and the and the reasoning was different so she it, 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 was, it was ridiculous. And I had had a fight with my dad at the time. And she's like, well, you know, you guys didn't talk for a while. So I figured you were just going to leave me emotionally. And I said, so that was awful, so awful that you did it to me first. I was just just saying. What the hell? And again, never, never any progress. And after a while, you know, you go from therapist to therapist to therapist. And you get tired of beating your head against a wall. And you get tired of telling the same damn story over again, and starting over with somebody new. Yep. Like I just, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And um, and meandered through, and like I said on the other podcast, was probably was far more suicidal than I I care to admit because mm-hmm. it makes you crazy. Yeah, it makes you absolutely freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. Have to deal with it, big and small. You know, I've said in my a lot of my posts, you know that they can lie about something as as awful as cancer and as simple as macaroni and cheese.
0: I' said that too, man.
1: it's it's there's no it's it's so hard to prepare for something like that, you know, when there's just we're even just just simple lying through the the basic details of life and you wind up just eroded and this person you were yeah. is a smoldering pile of goo after years. And and still,
0: but, and still, divorce really is still not on the table for you, but
1: you're like, I'm going to live the rest of my life like this. That's, and that was, that was the breaking point for me. I mm. probably went on another that's probably five or more years. And um long time. About, about five years ago, I had a I I you know, I I'd, I'd started some weight training and I was looking in the mirror on my back, you know, and and I looked back at the mirror and I saw this black patch on my back. I'm like, what the hell is that? So I went to the the uh dermatologist and she looked at me and goes, What the hell is that? And I'm like, I don't know. She that's why I'm here. And she took a biopsy of it. And about a week and a half later, I got a phone call and said, you got skin cancer. Oh, wasn't the word oh. right? It was a basal cell carcinoma. But when somebody tells you you got cancer, everything inside you goes, you know, you're just, wait a minute, I got this invader in my body that's trying yeah. to destroy me. And for most people, basal cell is the most common, again, most common kind of cancer. And as long as it's not near near lymph node or something, you're generally okay. But I was pretty freaked out. Mm-hmm a good husband would do. I picked up the phone and I called my wife and I said, I got skin cancer. And what took place in that moment, again, because it's a very basic, basic raw kind of moment, you know, I've just gotten pretty bad news. And I picked up the phone, I told her and she said her response back to me was, oh, well, I had that. I said you had a mole removed four years ago, and you told me it was not cancerous. No, no, it was cancerous. I uh, the doctor made a mistake, and honest to God's truth, the doctor made a mistake. And I'm going to call him, and I'm going to tell him that he made a mistake when he was diagnosing my mole, and that I really do have cancer, and it's the same kind of cancer that you have. And and uh, and and I'm I'm just sitting there staring at the phone, going. My God, she's pretending she had cancer, and I'm like, you told me you it, it, you didn't have cancer. I know that's what he said me said to me, but I think he made a mistake, and I'm gonna call him and tell him. And I'm like, I gotta you know, gotta get off the phone. Whoa! So, so levels of delusionalness. Oh my, my God. God. Then you get to you get to the. I remember hanging up the phone, just putting my hands over my eyes, and I used to just squeeze my temples because I was, still do that. yep. Like you go. I don't know how else to feel you know besides alone
0: because absolutely you have cancer and the person that oh well i'm the victim or feel sorry for me or let me steal your spotlight yeah now i'm gonna help you now you're my
1: husband and i love you i have cancer too yep and and ultimately that was her way of saying that she's not going to take care of you it i i think it was and and not only that but it was it was a refocus on her she didn't want it to spin from her she had no compassion. In fact, we wound up having a conversation later that night that made no sense. So I won't even go go into the word salad of it. But at the end of the conversation, it was, "Look, what I hope for is a little compassion, a little empathy, and and a little conversation. If we could have that, I'd be good." She go, "Okay." You know, week and a half later, not spoken a word to me. And I remember just approaching her, going, "I'm really surprised here," you know. You've not said a word to me. I've got skin cancer on my back, and you've not said a word to me about it. And her response to that was something you, you can't, there's something, like, the word is unfucked, right? I can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once you say, once you fuck it, you can't unfuck it. <laughs> you go back, right? So, so she said to me, she goes, well, you don't understand. She said, I'm not worried about it, so I don't feel the need to talk about it. <laughs> I'm at a loss, man. Uh, you, I'm at a you know, loss, and there was something. There was something in that whole scenario that kind of. There's something that broke inside me. Um, and it was like, I, I can you? It felt so evil. It felt so dark. And and the, the, you got, you asked the question a little bit ago. Can I do this for the rest? of of my life. I challenged her one other time. She looked at me and she goes, it's a nothing cancer. Spit in my face.
0: Wow.
1: Yep. Holy fuck, dude. It was it you know, and and it talk about just basic civility, basic humanity. Because everybody else in my life, from the the most emotionally healthy to the least emotionally healthy, could could come and when they found out I had cancer, said my God, are you are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Everybody, unilaterally across the across the landscape of my life treated me like that except her. She's the only person the person in your house who's the closest to you, who you need the most, I mean you're
0: cohabitating,
1: like a share a club. And it, it at that point in time something something broke in me. And if what what existed before and I, I have a hard time identifying it as this so much because the kids and other things, you know, my lack of wanting to divorce kind of play in. Was I trauma bonded? Maybe. For sure you were. What do you mean? Maybe? No, for sure. I have to, I have to concede to that and, and whatever it was snapped right there, like rubber band broke. And, and I was just, I was, I started planning to get out. So what'd you do? So for the next couple of years, um, Again, not to hyper-spiritualize it. I prayed. I felt like God said this to me. I I'd, I'd been praying and and I, I sensed this. You are what what she needs, you cannot teach her. That's what I felt like God said to me. You cannot teach her this. That's yes. a great acceptance tool right there. She, she has to figure this out on her own and and you are to let go completely. Just release it don't challenge don't have the conversations and ultimately it wound up being gray rock as much as i could possibly be for the next two years was that hard for you to not show emotion excruciatingly difficult and and even worse not to have the conversations that were kind of guiding you know because i felt like it was my role as a husband to go you kind of can't live in this delusion what you're doing right here right now this delusion like i said i didn't back down from conversations by this time i was seeing a therapist and um and she challenged me one day, that right at the same time. She goes, you know, you're having these conversations, they're excruciatingly vi- violent verbally, right? It's, it is reactive abuse. She's in, in denial mode, and it's just this constant, this. And she said, I have a question for you. Are those conversations helping you any? And I went, uh. She goes, Did, can you point to, you've been married now decades can you point to a single conversation where you you had these things with her where it it, anything good came of it and i went i just sat back and went like no i mean not not a single one i i couldn't i couldn't think of one she goes then stop having them so it was it was amazing and very hard to go do because i i genuinely love her and i genuinely cared and i felt it my responsibility to help guide her and and i I had to stop doing all of it, and so, you cared. You cared, but you were instructed, essentially, to stop caring. I, I absolutely was, and it, it it winds up being a very kind of odd place to live because you kind of feel. It, it, it your marriage almost dissolves there. Like the, everybody on everybody who's listening to this right now knows exactly what you're referring to. It's and you you feel single in your own home. It's it's the most bizarre feeling because you feel emotionally connected to this person, and you have to kind of let them go. And figure it out. Uh, oh man, it, it's, it's like, man, I feel like you and I were married for fuck's sake. Yeah. So so I felt like in that conversation initially, God said kinda do this, let her go for two years and then check back. So two years later, um, she was clearly not and by, I should say this before I get to there, three months later after the the going gray rock, she asked me to leave. Mm-hmm. So so that after all of this, she said she said, You need to leave. Um, leave the house, and I I I pointed to the door, and I go. So my name is on that deed, and um, I'm not leaving um, until until my my name is no longer on that deed anymore. I'm going to be here, but John, I literally have recordings of me saying those words verbatim. You Have to, you have to. I was, and I know there are some men who where their the their wives say leave, and they go, okay. I'm like, what? Well, so the whole time you're talking,
0: though, um, <laughs> let me ask you this question, and, and you don't have to get overly specific, and you don't have well, I have to even answer this if you don't want to, but yeah. you did mention that you had four kids. What yeah. was that like wrapping your brain around not being in the same home with your kids? I, I can only assume you've got to be a great father.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope I was. My kids would tell you no. <clears throat> but that was another kind of parental alienating story that I really bo- – be- bo- we'll get to that. They were little, but um, – the, the, I, I, I really do believe I was a good father, to, a great father to them even. And um, three of the four were out of the house already. Okay. Um, so I had one left in the house. She was working. Um, I don't know whether she noticed the specific change or not. It was very, it was probably very cold. I think. But I'm sure they knew you were unhappy. Or both uh, of you were unhappy. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that they knew she was unhappy. She has this pretend mechanism where she can just, Smile and pretend and be the life of the party. Fuck, like, were we married to the same person? Maybe. <laughs> um, we should get them together. They go bowling or something. Oh, no. The fucking world would implode, my dude. <laughs> um, anyways, fast forward two years, and I told her I wanted to separate, and she she'd said, I want to have one more final conversation with you. Okay. Fuck you. And and I said, I had the insight to ask her a couple of questions. She said she said, I first want to know where was it that you thought you wanted to go divorce me? I said, You lied. You you pretended you had cancer. And she said, No, I didn't. I told you I misheard the doctor and um and that I was gonna call him and tell him that I misheard him and I go, No, first off, you're lying to me. You told me you made a mistake. So there's a no lying zone if you want to have a conversation. I'm shaking, dude. I'm 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 if if you lie, I'm out. I'm just walking away. We're not doing this. And I said, you did say that. I said, do you remember spitting in my face telling me it was nothing cancer? No. I go, well, how convenient is that? I said, I'm sorry. There's something so dark about somebody who who does these kinds of things. I can't attach to that anymore. It's not who I am. So if that's who you're going to be, that's not me. And our, our paths need to to part. She, oh, okay. So I said, so I have a question for you. Actually, two. first one is this. Um, if I come back to you, and and Mac, you gotta know I desperately wanted to go back. If she'd said, look, mm-hmm. you know, I had it, I felt like I had instruction from God. She needs to learn this on her own. If she'd said it two years, um, I realize that I'm destroying this marriage and I wanna push pause on the divorce for a little bit. Pause. If you would work with me for just a little bit to get help, I would absolutely have done it. Right then oh, and there. I would I would have dropped everything and I would have done it. I'm not saying I wouldn't have divorced her. I would have pushed pause and seen how it went and given her given her another shot. And and I'd said to her, So, so if I come back to you, will you be emotionally present, emotionally engaged, and emotionally supportive in this relationship? Wait, so she did say that? No, I said that to her. Okay. Okay. Said so if, if I come back to you if will 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 you be emotionally supportive, emotionally present, and emotionally engaged in this relationship? And she looked at me with whatever sincerity she has, and there isn't probably any, but she goes, "No, I'm not saying that." And I go, "Okay." And I thought, well, at least it's honest, you know. This and there's a woman of devout Christian faith, faith, um, and there there are air quotes there for those of you, yeah, who see us. Eric, devout Christian faith, has just said, no, uh, F you, I'm, I'm not going to be emotionally engaged in this relationship. So then I said, okay. I said, so if I come back to you, will you stop pretending and lying and making up stories? And she goes, no, I'm not saying that either. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay. Bro, I'm furious right now. I want to find her and shake her. <laughs> Wouldn't help, you know? No, no. <laughs> I, I, you you wonder what would help, and, and at that point, in time, it's just I, um, that's where you go. Okay, this is this is somebody who, I- even in her answers from who she claims to be as a Christian or a religious person, to what she's just given me is so diametrically opposed. I can't I can't even process it. You know. And
0: what reaction are you supposed to have to these statements other than
1: anger? Are you supposed to go? Okay, my my almost nearly thirty year old ma- marriage is over. Okay, that's fine. She even at one point in time after that said, Well, I guess what I'm saying to you doesn't really make you want to come back. And I'm like, You think? <laughs> it's, it's not, let's talk about a little thing called social acceptability for, oh my gosh. So, so and, and from there, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd prepared, um, I'd, I'd talked to some people about where to go and had done some other things to kind of get my ducks in a row so that it, about 2 years in I was ready to pull the trigger on some things when I started to head down the path of divorce and um and was ready for it and in at least in Georgia it's relatively easy I um from the time we filed um, to the time I was legally divorced was uh about 40 days wow god bless my so- dude I uh, I spent, from the time we separated to the time we filed was about, about nine months, and I spent well, that
0: time. Well, well, you didn't, your kids were a little older, so I assume you you probably had
1: alimony and stuff, but I'm sure you didn't have to pay child support. Maybe, I'm not sure, but your kids were older, right? Yep, no child support, no alimony. I wouldn't, I told her I wouldn't pay the alimony, and we negotiated it out of, uh, negotiated some settlement, additional equity in the house for her Okay. alimony. I couldn't think of anything worse than having to go pay somebody for them,
0: got my listen. I've had friends who have been divorced, and they call it away money." That's yeah. okay. That that yeah. alimony, giving up that equity in the house,
1: no. just leave me the fuck alone. Absolutely, and you know, and I did. I, you know, you, I, I. She wound up being half owner of my business as well because I started the business while we were married, and and I had to buy my own business back that she's never worked a day in. And you know, I, it it really is ultimately just money. And and like you, I, I just, I just don't have regrets in that. I. Mm-hmm. But I did it. I'd throw the cash away again uh, to get my peace back and to get out of the situation um, I was in. And um, and that's that's really where it kind of ended. And uh, I, I spent nine months from the time we separated to the time we divorced, um, really intently working on the finances of it. I, I cared about her situation. I mean, I went so far as to go, okay, here's how we're going to make this work financially. Here's your budget. This is how you can live it, at the same standard of living you've been living, mm-hmm. money you make, and from some some of the stuff from the house, and mm-hmm. and here's here's my budget. This is what I'm I'm biting biting off, and I'm going to have to go pick up, and and have a shot at at living within my means as well. And um, so we were able to agree. My uh, I I sought out an attorney early earlier, and um, the the folks you mentioned earlier are such a great resource. Um, Padita and Lisa are phenomenal. That been there got out on Instagram. And- let's
0: let's let's say it right. Padita Jafari out of California is an excellent resource for anybody in the LA, you know, Orange County area. Padita Jafari out of California. She's been on this podcast and yeah, they're excellent. Been there got out is, you know, well, we were connected before Been There Got Out, but that's what made me reach back out to you because
1: you yeah. And uh and those 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 ladies are amazing resources even if they're not in your state. They can probably reach out to them and yeah. have well, I didn't I didn't haveces necess- I didn't even thought it even occurred to me at that point in time that there were people in narcissist circles or legal people who who understood how to deal with narcissists. I hadn't discovered Instagram yet um at the time, so um i I, I kind of came into that after after the divorce. I, I wanted to say, so let's get into that a little
0: bit. So how did you I, I understand that, you know, you saw an Instagram? page and it was the checklist of how to know if they're a narcissist, but yeah. what made you start your own platform and start helping people like you do?
1: So I was trying to heal and I was looking for books and, and I had a hard time connecting with the, the, the women who, were, who had written the books and the overwhelming majority of the material I found um, was written by women about men um, and was not so gender neutral. Mm. there there it, it at least to me, it it seemed that I, it it was not. I, I think I think some of the women I've seen more recently have have kind of toned uh, have kind of moved more towards gender neutral mm-hmm. um, as as men you always have been. Your page always has been have even though you and I were talking about this earlier, even though I'm you know my account is male victims of female narcissists shamelessly on on instagram. um half my half my my readership are they're all women. and amazingly, Amazingly supportive women. I, I couldn't speak more highly of the the right, kindness right. of them uh, towards me personally and towards the group of men that interact there regularly. They've been amazing. So, ladies, thank you so much for that. Those of you who are out there. But um, I I wanted to I, I couldn't connect with this stuff. So I'm like, all right, I just need to start telling my story. And I hope to death that somebody doesn't wait. It, it doesn't. It doesn't take them 25 years. Hmm. To figure out what took me 25 years to go figure out, and thought, okay, uh, you know, even when I hashtag, I don't necessarily hashtag some things that are necessarily narcissistic related. I'm I'm hashtagging other things so that perhaps other people out there just reading might see something I wrote who are in their situation and have no idea what they're mm-hmm. going through, and then suddenly they look at this and they go, "Oh my God, this is this, this is, is it." Is This is, and honestly, Mac, I've had those stories. Guys go, I'm like, I can't can't tell you how glad I am that I found you.
0: Yeah, the very first episode ever of my podcast, you know, like, so I was kicking around how to do this for a while, and then the very first episode of the podcast, I was like, do I just want to jump into my story? Because I'm not so sure, like, I know my story is extreme, and I know people will relate, but I had the ambition to make sure that you know, like, just like you, you know, you see an Instagram post and it all clicks for you. And my hope was I'm going to do my very first episode about tailoring it towards somebody who is turning over the stone for the first time. Yeah. And so I called it the ingredients to the narcissist recipe. And as we were talking about earlier, love bombing, triangulation, trauma bonds, all that kind of stuff. And like, no, man, there's a word for all this stuff. And, you know, it's still like it's great. Every single day I, I look at my statistics and I see like. Hey, five, six, seven, ten people have found your podcast today, yeah. and have introduced it every day. And I'm like, "Fuck, this is so cool! This is what I set out to do." You yep. so I love the
1: fact that you said that. Yeah, and interestingly not also, uh, yeah, your experience with therapists, my experience with therapists. You know, somebody somebody commented on a post today and said, "Well, you know, it should be noted that they need to go to a qualified professional therapist." And I'm like, "How, Ibby? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I have, I have therapists. The last two therapists I personally saw were wonderful at helping me heal personally. One was help male victims personally. And another one um, was somebody I just connected more and understood narcissists and, and has been able to heal. And by the way, I'm still seeing her from mm-hmm. time to time as well because it keeps me healthy. Mm-hmm. But by and large, the psycho- psychological community for me, and for our relationship was a big fat zero, right. In fact, some of the therapists are hurtful, right so so, so here I am, and you know, thinking other there have to be other guys out there who who experience this the way I do. Um guys don't like the idea of they they don't like the word victim. Mm-mm. like the word abuse, and they they sure as hell don't want to be abused by a woman, right it it emasculates them. so. So the fact that they're even abused is is outside perhaps their 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 thinking. Um, there's a, a there's a lady on Instagram I'd mentioned um, in one of the other podcasts and I can't remember her name. I got to go back and find it in my chats. But she was excuse me, she's doing a research paper on how men process abuse and and the words they use and actually wanted to come up with a, a hotline where men could talk and she was she was trying to help me discover or, or trying to help discover what words men use and the best thing she could um come up with was like unreasonable cruelty or unjust undeserved cruelty so one of one of my listeners commented because i made a post about reactive abuse and
0: one of my listeners said can we stop calling it abuse because obviously that's a triggering word for the person yeah. who experienced the v- abuse and the the listener suggested can we just say reactive Oh, no, shit, I'm butchering it. Reactive action or shit, now I'm butchering it. But it was something, they took out the word abuse and it was great. And it was like, yeah, I've I've struggled with the word reactive abuse because I can testify to that. Like, was I an angel in my marriage? Certainly not. Did I cuss and scream and I never hit her, never threw things. But like, was I out of line? Yes, I will put my hand on a Bible. I'll swear my kid says, sure, I was out of line. But I was not the abuse. I was the one taking the abuse and reacting
1: to the abuse. Correct. And the question is, how long you get hit with a hammer emotionally and not not cry foul? Right. That's just that's not. That's just not realistic. And in, in, in if, if this were the physical world, it's not it's not realistic either. And and the the therapy world, in my estimation, particularly where it comes to marriage counseling, operates under this premise: it takes two to tango. Yeah, fuck that. I'm sorry, where where narcissists are concerned, that is not the truth. Not that, the truth. That's like that's like somebody running a red light, and and Thank and you. saying it's your fault you got hit because you happened to be in the intersection even though you had the right of way. Wow, that's, John, that's not it. These 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 thoughts don't work in the physical world. They also don't work in the emotional world. And and just because you happen to marry somebody who's an abuser who is emotionally abusive does not mean that it took two of you to tango and they're trying to constantly blame you which makes it worse and 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 the and the 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 psychological community outside of those who have been specially trained to kind of identify this and maybe there are more and maybe they're not I, i i i don't know but i i i don't know that that certainly taking a narcissist to a therapist if you could get them to go by the way is ever going to help a relationship? I don't know one that's kind of pulled out of where they are. So the question is, where do you heal? And and for me personally, um, getting on Instagram and starting to do this opened me up yeah. to a community of people um, who are all about healing and and can help you discover what's happened to you. People who I who you can identify with. You're going, man, this is. Mind blowing. Because you and I've been through this. There's a yeah.
0: quality in that. And remember, and remember how alone you felt when you were in it. Like no one in yes. the world understands me. Yeah. I remember. I, I've said this so many times in the podcast. You stare at the ceiling, looking at the ceiling in your bed, three a.m. She's got her back to you. Couldn't give a shit that you're upset, and you're just going, "What do I do? What does this person have?" Fast forward, you get out, three, six, nine months, whatever, and you realize. Like, God bless social media. I talk a lot of shit about it. But, like, there's this whole
1: community of people who only want to see you succeed. Absolutely. And you know what? I also personally think this. I mean, social media on the whole is just freaking toxic. Right. Except here. Right. It's like, I don't want anything to do with it anyplace else. Because it's like I found this group of people yeah. who who have witnessed it and seen the hurt and the evil and want nothing more than for your success and your healing and are committed to that. And yes, personally, personally, you know, I, I freely admit, it, you know, on the other side of this, I have trust issues with women. I, I really yep. do. And some of the women have been so kind to me that it it makes you think, wow, like there are people out there who, there, there are women who are, are that kind, who yeah. would, who care about my soul. Yeah. And- would just reach out and say look it looks like you you you've been through this and i just want to want to tell you i'm sorry and um i i'm happy to support you however i can. That's or, me. Seeing this my my husband my, my my husband went through this with his ex and she's just evil and i i see it or my son within mm-hmm. face and and you hear the stories and you, you go wow this is this is something that heals right here and that's that's ultimately what keeps me in it. I mean yeah, i man. I the, and the longer i've been in it you know, people come back and say, I, I, I found you two years ago now, and I can't thank you enough because I had no idea what I was dealing with. You showed me, and now here I am two years later. I started to take your, your words and your advice and some of the others on Instagram who were doing podcasts like yourself and trying to help others, and I've run with that, and now I know what I'm dealing with. Now I, yeah. know, now I have my peace back, and now I know that there's nothing I could have done to go make the thing better. I'm um, with you, man others along the way i'm you know you'd said you said earlier um you know your story's horrible mine mine i consider horrible for me but when i hear some of the stories of the other guys out there millions of dollars mm-hmm. in yeah. and you've got child services after them I, i've i'm okay. on my third one brother yep I, i've had men out there who've had contracts taken out on their lives by their narcissist um exes um other other, other men who have committed suicide and I have their moms talking to me. This is real stuff. Yes, man. Real life stuff. And and some of that stuff like I, I, I don't even hold, my experience didn't even hold a candle to that. All I can have is just compassion for these people. I was, you know, reading a post this morning about a lady who lost her son. My heart's just in a moment you go, my God. You know how? This might be, let me ask you this because this might be a good segue
0: and unfortunately, you've been such a great guest, but we're coming to the end of the hour, right? But I ask everybody this question when I wrap up the podcast and I I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you're a poignant guy. What advice do you have for somebody who is in an abusive relationship now and is doing what we did, you know, years ago and is sitting there going, I need to get out. What advice do you have for that person who's ready to get
1: out? Yep. So if you if you identified narcissism, first thing you need to know is it's not it's not going to get better. So right. so you can't pour lies into your life and improve it. And narcissists are are constantly pouring lies into your life. In fact, right? You give them the truth, they have to come up with another lie. You give them more truth, they have to come up with another lie. You give them more truth, so they are steeped in deception and sure. and life steeped in deception. Never gets better. So so as much as I know you'd like to hold out hope, because you're probably not a divorcing person like Mac and I are not divorced <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. It it comes down it's going to be them or you. And I had to I had to reconcile that that my kids were either gonna have a divorced dad or a dead dad. That would have been ooh, the ooh, fuck. Yes. Just where it would have been. And it not because she'd have taken me, because I'd I'd a I i would was praying, okay, Lord, um, Till death do us part. I'm ready to go, and 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 that that's what inevitably would have happened. So yeah. so that may not be the situation everybody's in, but I had to reckon with the fact that, that it was not going to get any better, and that I personally could not take it anymore. And I ask you to evaluate that question. Second thing is this: if you're ready to get out, start to make a plan. And um, and this is where I think personally that female females who are victims of, of male narcissists have it harder. I think it's harder for them to get out. Some a lot of in a lot of situations, um women are more dependent on, on men for money. Um Fair. and and they're physical and they've got not only their they may have kids involved also and they're planning on taking the kids with them. I guarantee that. So um so they may have to not only plan their exit but plan their kids, but as kids exit as well, if possible, and have, have the means and the ability to go provide for them by themselves um, for at least a season. So so start making a plan. My document, document, document record, document. save text messages, organize. Yep. Um, I, I had a plan that I executed over a period of two years, getting ready to go get good legal counsel. Yeah. Start with some of the people that Mac and I have talked to, uh, talked about here online. They're wonderful people. They may not be able to help you directly because you have to have a, a lawyer who's in your state. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a recommendation for you to go sit down and talk to somebody and figure out what you need to go do so that you have a, a way out. And I would tell you that you may even want two plans. One's an emergency plan, like I need to get out tonight. Mm-hmm. And one is, should this go as long as I hope till I'm all the way ready? Here's what all the way ready looks like. mm mm-hmm. Um, and absent of a plan, I think it's very hard to to get out. so so that would be my recommendation. Yeah, you can't do it on a whim. You cannot just walk out like that. You can't you, And a lot of people have kids that there are other responsibilities that they have to attend to i I had to work my separation around family weddings, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna go here's where I wanted to separate, but you know I've got a a niece who's getting married here. Am I gonna do that the week before? I, can i do that, can I do that to them no yeah. so 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 there are things that figure into to those to to that life that that life moment that you really have to go kind of negotiate and figure and determine and and pl- and plan and prepare for and I think most people they take the time to plan can can figure a way out and and I would tell you this there's there's amazing peace on the other side of this <sighs>
0: The, the grass is greener where you water it, and I'm promising you, it just turns into a mud field when you're on the side of the fence that you're on now. But when yeah. you get out,
1: it's going to be harder, but you're going to die if you stay where you are. 100%. And it's the difference between kind of running the same problem over and over again on the hamster wheel that never gets better, that'll drive you insane, mm-hmm. and having life is not absent of problems. Nowhere. in landscape. Right. But you know what? I welcome them, because- I can go and I can hit him head on and I tackle it and it's done and I move on to the next one and you tackle it and it's done and you move on to the next one. And there's blessing and peace in being able to go do that because that's normal life. And you get back to that and you're going to sleep well if you've worked hard at your marriage. Oh, yeah. Everything I could possibly do.
0: (laughs) Well, and the thing is, too, is that once you go through
1: narcissistic abuse, man, you can survive anything. (laughs) It. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So listen, John, before I let you go, um, you're so active on social media and everything. I know that you're writing a book. Tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you're working on.
1: Yeah, I'm working on a book that'll that'll kind of, dis- I call it a like a, a, a teaching novel where it'll, it'll talk about my experience and, and, and hopefully there'll be a lot of men that connect with it. It'll talk about what I saw. It'll talk also a little bit about how uh, men approach this with with women who are uh, narcissistic abusers a little bit differently than perhaps women do with men. Um, it'll give them even a, a also for people who are who are in perhaps a Christian or religious framework, and they don't know how to kind of go about this. They they may find some insight in it as well. It's raw honesty, and um, I hope you enjoy it. Title is still working, um, but uh, we'll uh, we'll have that out probably by the end of the summer. I'm I'm doing the editing right now, but pretty much about that. People can find me on the web at, at male on instagram at the same uh male victims of female I try to respond personally to everybody i can who hits me up as, as long as there are hours in the day to go do it and yeah. um, there are further questions. I certainly open myself to that and uh feel free to reach out and Mac, thank you for uh thank you brother for for i mean just as I've picked up a torch you've picked up picked one up too, and I can't thank you enough for for uh doing that and for speaking this stuff.
0: Thank you, man. Give me a virtual uh, fist (laughs) panel. I appreciate you. Well, John, thank you so much. You've been an absolutely amazing guest. I'm glad we got to be able to do this. Thanks, man. All right, man. Until next time, everybody.